Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 143. And today, what we're going to be talking about is some killer tax tips and what business types should we form or should we consider forming? Is it an LLC? Is it a sole proprietor? Is it a C Corp? Is it an S Corp? Well, I invited on a CPA to actually go through some of this stuff for us to help us out. All right. Now, his name is Josh Bowerly. And if you follow EO Fire, Entrepreneur on Fire, that is, with John Lee Dumas, he is their CPA. And he is now my CPA. That's right. I hired him about four, maybe five months ago now to be my CPA because I was looking to kind of take my business to the next level as far as accounting and, you know, tax wise and what should I be filing as and all of that stuff. So I reached out to him, we had a conversation and then I hired him on the spot. So I wanted to bring him on to share some of these tips, some of this advice that you can hear from a CPA. And let me just say, though, before we do go into this interview is, you know, depending on where you are in business, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Scott, I don't even have a business yet. Well, it's still good to know what you should do when the time comes, because he's going to lay out exactly when you should start thinking about an S Corp or when you should file for an LLC and kind of like the ins and the outs, or maybe right now you already have a current business doing something else and you want to hear some of these tax tips. Definitely, definitely want to check this out. And the other thing that I thought was pretty interesting was talking about when and how someone can get audited by the government and kind of how that whole process would look and how to reduce your risk and reduce your chances as far as getting audited. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this interview. I'm going to stop talking now so you can listen to the interview. So go ahead, listen, enjoy this interview with Josh Bowerly. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for hanging out with the TAS community. What's going on, man? Not much. Thanks for having me on. You know, I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah, I am uh, real excited to have you on. We get a lot of questions about taxes and what to set up as far as a business entity and all that stuff. And, you know, I know, uh, you know, a little, you know, a few things about this. And uh, (laughs) and that's why I'm so glad that you're able to come on and share it with us. And why don't you tell us a little bit uh, of your background as far as how you got into this whole, uh, you know, this tax thing and being a CPA and all that stuff. Yeah, so I've been doing accounting and taxes for about nine years total now. And, you know, bounced around from different accounting jobs, worked in a Fortune 500 company for a little bit, worked at a CPA firm for a little bit, worked at as a financial advisor for a little bit. And I finally decided that the problem wasn't the job. It was that I just hated working for someone else. Hmm. So in 2012, I went out on my own, uh, started JDB Business Solutions and really started focusing on small business owners and working with them on their taxes. Because I saw the, the, the problem was when I worked in the CPA firm, these small businesses would come to us and we'd charge them a ton of money to do their taxes. Mm. Because I mean, that's, that's what you have to do as a large CPA firm. Sure. You have to make a certain profit margin. And since they were a low priority client. I mean, you, you go to a CPA firm, you have people paying $100,000 a year in billings to the CPA firm. Mm. So if you're paying them $1,500, you know, that's, that's pretty meaningless to them. Yeah. So they're going to have a college intern doing your tax return. They're not getting any help throughout the year. So I just felt like it was an area that really could use some people solely focused on working with them. So I started doing that. Then I got in touch with John Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, started doing their taxes 
And from there, we just really started focusing on just the online entrepreneur. And that's, that's kind of where we are now. People who are, do most of their work almost entirely online. I mean, obviously they still have some stuff going on, you know, shipping that kind of stuff offline, but most of our clients are online entrepreneurs. So it's, okay. It's cool. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I mean, I know this is a little off topic, but I think the audience might even be curious, you know, how did that all transpire with John? I mean, yeah. you know, getting, getting connected with him and, uh, and being able to then do his taxes, just give us a little, a little sneak peek and in, in, in how that kind of transpired. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It was back when Entrepreneur on Fire was kind of in its early stages and I listened to a few episodes and I said, hey, that'd be cool to be on his show. So I emailed him. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm a CPA. I have my own business. If you ever need any guests, just let me know. And a couple hours later, I was shocked. I had an email back from him and he's like, hey, I, I don't need any guests right now, but I do need a CPA. So we set up wow. a call and I've been working with them ever since. I think that was like mid 2013. Okay. So I've been working with them a little over two years now. And now I'm on his podcast every month on the income report, giving a tax tip. And I would say probably like 60 to 65% of our clients come off referrals from Entrepreneur on Fire now. So it's, it's definitely been huge. Yeah, no, it, it is. And let's face it. I mean, I'm one of your clients now because of EO Fire. I mean, I, I heard your tax tips on there and, uh, you know, I started thinking to myself, man, I probably should look into this. And, you know, rather than going out there and thinking about, you know, who I would hire, I wanted to, you know, again, know, like, and trust this person. And I got to tell you, I mean, by being on his show uh, or anyone's show for that matter, it, it definitely gives you an insight on the person that you could be hiring. And then when you said on there, and I think John said it as well, if you need anybody to, uh, you know, take a look at your taxes, go ahead and, and give, uh, give Josh a call or email him. And that's what I did. And, and here we are. So, I just want to let people know that finding a CPA or someone to do your taxes can be difficult. And I've had my accountant now, which, you know, I don't have him do my taxes anymore, but uh, I've had him over 15 years and he's a great guy, but I kind of outgrew him. So I guess let's kind of dive into, because it is scary to hear the word CPA. I got to be honest. If you're not a CPA to hear that word, you're like, oh my gosh, that's like really high end. Like that's like people that are making like a lot of money and I don't really need one of them. And it just sounds really like it can be complicated. So why don't you demystify the CPA, the regular accountant and kind of let us know, you know, like where that fits in. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I actually heard on the radio recently that the only thing, the only person people fear more than the dentist is their CPA. So (laughs) apparently you're not alone. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely various levels of accounting and tax help. I mean, when I first started out in this business, I wasn't a CPA. I was just an accountant and I was working at a fortune 500 company, basically helping them do their books every month. Okay. So that's, that's more of when you think of an accountant, that that's more of the role of an accountant is doing the books kind of cost accounting, uh, not necessarily taxes. Maybe it's auditing where you, you go and, and audit people's financial statements for them, especially publicly traded companies. So th- it, there is kind of a difference between just an accountant and a CPA. I, I would say that the middle tier level is you have those those chain shop tax places, you know, like H&R Block, Liberty Tax. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have CPAs there, but not often. What it is usually is, is people who take, I, I think they take like a two to three month class. And I think for the most part, they, they know what they're doing on, on a lot of their returns. But once you get to a maybe a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, it's probably not something you want to do see at that level. Hmm. And then at the top level, I guess, you would have a CPA. And where the CPA designation comes from is, one, you have to have a college degree. Two, you have to have a minimum of two years experience under another CPA. Three, you have to pass four ridiculous like four hour tests mm-hmm. 
And five, you have to have 40 hours of continuing education every year. Wow. So I, I guess that what the CPA does, I mean, like any industry, there, there is good and bad. So sure. it doesn't guarantee you anything when you see someone has a CPA. But what it does do is it guarantees you that they have a minimum level of education, a minimum level of experience. If, if they have any bad, extreme ethical issues going on, they're going to get that CPA removed. So it, it gives you kind of a baseline to know of what you're getting that, that maybe some of the other levels don't give you. Mm, and it makes sense. I mean, again, you're you're going through a few more, uh, well, let's call them, uh, you know, obstacles in a sense to become, you know, a CPA. But I guess the thing for me was always kind of like, when do I need one? You know what I mean? I think that's another big question that comes up. And I know what we're, I mean, we're going to dive into kind of like the different business entities because I think I, I really want to hear about that. I know the audience does as well because I get a lot of questions to say, Scott, you know, when should I set up an LLC? What does that mean when I set up an LLC? Should I just just be a sole proprietor? Should I do an S-Corp? I mean, I know S-Corp kind of scared me away a little bit because of payroll and all that stuff. So, you know, maybe we can dive into that, but you know, like when is it time for someone to start thinking about a CPA? This one's pretty simple. Once you have a business, once your business is up and running and you're spending money on that business, getting, receiving money into that business, hire a CPA, stop doing it yourself, stop taking it to a cheap option. Uh, That's, that's where, one, the tax code is written to for entrepreneurs to take advantage of, mm-hmm. but you got to have someone that knows what they're doing that has experience in that area. So you can, one, save a lot of money by hiring the right person, and two, stay out of a lot of trouble by by hiring the right person. There's there's a lot of things you can do wrong once you become an entrepreneur. So yeah, if you just have a W two and, and you're not yet making money in a business, don't spend the extra money for a CPA. That that's not worth it. But once you have that business, spend a little bit more money. Get, chances are you're going to get a lot more back than you spend. And and let me ask you this. Now, if someone wanted to find one locally, what would they look for? I mean, like, would they yep. just go on, thumb through the yellow pages or just look on Google and try to find someone locally? Like, cause I mean, if I look in there, I'm going to see CPA and I don't know if it's a huge firm or if it's just a guy. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny you said yellow pages because that probably is the best place to start. It, it, my industry has a lot of older people running it right sure. now. Um, a lot of people are surprised when they see I'm a CPA because they think I'm too young to be a CPA. So, sure, sure. sure. Um, yeah. I mean, yellow pages is one. I mean, your, your best bet to get a referral. At, find someone that you trust that is a, a business that's, that's your size and ask them who they use, ask them if they're satisfied with it. I mean, it is going to be tough to find, especially if you're younger and you, you want to kind of communicate via email and phone. A lot of them are older, more traditional. They're going to want you to come and sit in the office for every talk. Sure. So you do some research, find out who fits what you're looking for and, and go from there. you don't just dial someone up in the phone book. Get a recommendation. Okay, cool. All right. So now let's uh, let's dive into the the different business entities. Now, you know, if someone's starting out brand new from scratch, and again, I mean, a lot of our listeners on the Amazing Seller podcast are listening uh, because they sell on Amazon. Okay, so they're and they're they're selling online, but you know, they're selling under Amazon's platform or on Amazon's platform. They're selling a physical product, but they're still transferring money back and forth online through e commerce. So, you know, like what type of business entity would you say to start out with, you know, once you start, you know, making even one sale, you know what I mean? Like, what would you recommend? There's four types of business entities that you're basically going to be choosing from in this situation. Okay. You could be a sole proprietor, which really isn't an entity. You're just, you and the business are one and the same. Okay. So mm-hmm. maybe operates under your name or maybe you set up a DBA just doing business as sure. probably operates under your social security number. What the business, the business and you are exactly the same. 
Okay. The, the next level up is going to be the LLC, the limited liability company. And contrary to popular belief, this actually has no tax benefits in LLC. Okay. An LLC and a sole proprietor act exactly the same for tax purposes. Okay. And that's especially true if you're the only owner in the business. It gets filed the exact same way. doesn't give you any additional tax benefits. It's exactly the same. So the only reason you'd want to set up an LLC is to get legal protection. Okay. Okay, and I'm not an attorney, so I won't go into what kind of legal protection that does offer sure. you. But basically, it, it separates you in the business. Sure. If a sole proprietor, you and the business are one and the same. As an LLC, you and the business become separate entities. Let, let me just stop there for a second. So, okay, so if you have an LLC, you obviously have an EIN number two that you filed, right? So not within, necessarily. Not necessarily? It, it, okay. Yeah, if you're, if you're the only owner in the business, you can actually still continue to operate under your social security number. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, because what I was going to say is in order to set up a checking account, you need an EIN number for the most part for that business. Yeah, um, usually some 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 bit banks will let you if you're the sole, if you're the only owner will still let you use the, okay. that social security number. But okay, that's interesting. I, in my opinion, get get the EIN. It's, okay. it's free to get and it, it, it separates you more. Okay, and so I, I just learned something there too. So you don't necessarily have to have an EIN to do an LLC. That's okay. Right. It's probably varies from from state to state, maybe or whatever, or you know whoever you're dealing with. But okay, so that's uh, okay. So now an LLC, like you said, there's really no tax benefits other than you are now you know kind of separated from yourself, even though you running it, you you have a business now and it's its own entity, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The, the only benefits come from a legal standpoint. Okay. okay no cool. tax benefits. All right, okay. Cool. So the third option that we're going to say is a C corporation. Okay. Let me just say this. 99.999% of your audience should never be a C corporation. Okay. And the problem is you're going to hear all kinds of radio ads and internet articles and maybe your uncle telling you the C corporation, you got to be a C corporation. You got to incorporate in Delaware, all kinds of tax savings. Okay. <laughs> turn it off. Turn the radio off. Tell your uncle to go home. There's, this, is, this is not an option for you. It's a terrible option. Okay. You're going to spend a lot of money setting it up and then a lot of money having someone like me come in and correct it and do the right thing. Okay. So okay. just eliminate the C corporation. Okay. Finally, we have the S corporation. The S corporation actually isn't an entity by itself. What the S corporation is, is a tax designation. So you start out as either an LLC or a C corporation, and then you tell the IRS, I want you to tax me as an S corporation. Okay. And an, an S corporation operates almost exactly the same as the LLC, but there's a big difference. Okay. So let's, let's talk about how taxes work real quick so we can, so sure. we can show the difference. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a sole proprietor or an LLC, here's what's going to happen. Let's say, Scott, your business this year profits $200,000, okay? After all expenses, you have $200,000 showing in profits. Okay. All right? The business is not going to pay any taxes. doesn't matter whether you're a sole proprietor or an LLC. That business pays zero taxes. Instead, what's going to happen is that $200,000 profit is going to flow through to you, and you're going to pay them on your personal taxes. It's what okay. they call a pass-through entity because okay. it passes from the business to the owner. Okay. Doesn't matter if you took out all two hundred thousand or zero of that two hundred thousand or somewhere in between. You still pay taxes on all two hundred thousand dollars in profit. Gotcha. Okay. And and what's gonna happen is that two hundred thousand you're gonna get hit with ordinary taxes just like you do any other income. And then it's gonna cycle through and get hit again with a fifteen point three percent self employment tax. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. So they're gonna hammer it, right? You're gonna pay a lot of taxes on it. What the S-Corp does operates the exact same way, okay? So that $200,000 flows through to you, the owner. You pay taxes on the full $200,000, the ordinary taxes, but you do not pay that 15.3% self-employment tax, okay? So if you're doing some math in your head right now, you're seeing this is, this is a pretty big tax savings, mm. 
Okay. Very, very big. Yeah. So the IRS knows that too. And what the IRS says is, okay, fine. You're going to get some tax savings, but we want some of that back and we want you to pay yourself a salary. So as an S corporation, you now have to become both the owner and an employee of your business and you have to start paying yourself a salary. Okay. And by paying yourself a salary, I don't just mean, hey, I wrote myself a $5,000 check this month. There's my salary. Okay. (laughs) It's funny, but a lot of people do that unknowingly. Okay. Okay. So what you have to do, my opinion, get set up with a payroll company. Uh, The one we usually recommend, Zen Payroll. They're 35 bucks a month. All right. They're going to handle everything for you. They're going to pay those payroll taxes, file the payroll tax reports, everything. And the reason the IRS requires you to get that salary is because you're going to pay payroll taxes on the salary, just like, uh, okay. which is the same thing as self-employment taxes, 15.3%. Okay. 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 So where the tax savings come is the difference between your profits and the salary. Okay. So if, if your business profits $200,000, you pay yourself a $100,000 salary, the $100,000 difference saves that 15.3%. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. Yep. You can't just say it's 15% sure. savings because there's, there's some deductions that go with that, but it's, it's a rough estimate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the next logical question I'm sure people asking is, okay, well, what does my salary have to be? Yeah. And the IRS being the IRS, they don't give us exact guidelines. Uh, what they say is it has to be reasonable. Okay. Okay. So if you profit $200,000, you try to give yourself a $5,000 salary, no go. That's not, not reasonable. Exactly. <laughs> so what is reasonable? There's a couple different tests. One, what could you pay someone to replace you? Okay. Okay. So if Scott, you wanted to completely walk away from the business, but you wanted it to keep making money. What would you have to pay someone to step in and perform the, the, the role that you do in the business? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's one question. The other thing, the way that we usually figure it is somewhere between 25 and 50% of net income. Okay. Okay. And the higher the net income is, the lower that percentage has to be. Okay. So if you have $50,000 net income, you're probably going to be closer to the 50% profit. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So $25,000 salary. Yep. At $200,000, you're probably closer to the 25% range and you can do a, a 50 to $60,000 salary. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah. That yeah. Sense? Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're making a less amount, then obviously you're, you're saying to yourself, well, you know, the, the company has to pay, you know, at least, uh, like I said, if you were to rehire someone, you're not going to pay someone $5,000 to, to run that business that's doing 50, 60,000. But if you're doing a business that's doing 200,000 or 300,000, well, you could possibly come in and hire someone to do, to, to run that for 50, 60 grand. Yeah, or exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. That, that makes, that makes total, total sense. Yep. And it, it makes total sense too, on how that flows in through to you, but then how you're paying yourself. My, I, I gotta be honest, when I was talking to my accountant, probably about a year and a, a half ago, because I was listening to you at that point. And I said to him, I says, is it worth it for me to do an S corp? And he immediately fired it down. And the reason why he fired it down was, well, number one, he's not an online guy. Like you said, a lot of guys in this space are not online guys or older school, you know, as far as like where they come from. I mean, he's not terribly old, but he's, you know, he comes from his father was an accountant. Now he's an accountant and that whole thing. Great guy knows his stuff, but I kind of outgrew him. Like I said, because the advice that I was getting was not really going to benefit me because he was telling me something that he didn't think that I should do, but really didn't know enough about. And his whole thing was, Scott, listen, if you do this S Corp thing, 
Don't you think the government knows about that? Don't you think that they they know that? So they realize that and it's going to bring more attention to you and then you're going to be, you know, up for being looked at more closely. But as you were saying, because you and I have had this conversation, you what you were saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that, yes, they know that this is happening and that's why they do have this payroll tax that they're going to make sure that you have because they want to be able to recoup some of that money back. And then from there, they're also going to look at, like you just outlined, you know, a reasonable salary. And then having the payroll company, because that was the other thing I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't want to have to deal with payroll every week or hire someone to do that. But now they have companies that literally do that for you. You set it up and you just, you know, let let them handle it. So am I understanding that right? Yeah, it's exactly right. So the, the biggest key to stay out of trouble with an S corporation is pay yourself that reasonable salary, handle the payroll correctly, better yet, have someone else handle the payroll correctly for you. You do those two things, you're, you're going to be fine. I mean, even going back down to, uh, or coming, you know, down to, again, like write-offs and stuff, like that payroll company is an expense, so that's a write-off, right? I mean... Exactly. And and here's another thing, a lot of, why a lot of older CPAs are kind of against the whole S-corporation thing is they're used to payroll companies charging you two, three, maybe even $500 a month, and they're saying, well, that's eating all the tax savings. Right. Well, now there's online companies that you never have to see that'll do it for 35 bucks a month. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now with, with the, the software and stuff they have out there nowadays and the companies now that they can do it at a more larger scale, it makes a lot more sense. So yeah, because that was my question. And I mean, I, I hit you with all those questions. I had a ton of them because I was, again, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I don't want to do something that I feel is going to come back and, and hurt me later. And, um, you know, and you, you know, assured me, you know, listen, this is, this is totally the way that it, it, it's being done. It's a way that you're going to do it, that it's ethically being done. And that's a, that's a huge thing for, for people. And I think also just to let people know that, you know, it's not necessarily the right time to do it if you're not at that level. So why don't we give some guidelines It's like, when do you think someone would consider doing an S corp? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So when it starts to make sense is around 30 to 40,000 in profit. Okay. okay. If you get in that range, it's time to consider it. Once you hit 40 to 50, now you're just leaving thousands of dollars on the table. Okay. Okay. Once you get to a hundred thousand, now we're talking in the, in the area of $10,000 per year that you're paying extra in taxes that you don't have to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause again, I mean, if right now, you know, you're starting this business, you're setting up a, you know, uh, maybe an LLC or whatever, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I can save some money, but I'm only making $10,000 a year in this business. Then maybe it doesn't make sense. Right. Exactly. Cause at $10,000, I mean, you're probably gonna have to have your salary at five to $6,000. Hmm. Now you're talking 15% on 4,000. Now you're paying the payroll company, paying someone like me to set it up. It's just, it's not going to make sense at that level. And would you think though, on a monthly basis or even, even on a quarterly basis that there's more work to an S corp? Not at all. If you're doing it right. Okay. Uh, if, if you're, if you're hiring a payroll company to, to handle all that for you, basically it, nothing changes for you. Okay. And then I guess the other question that I would have is, you know, like if I start, if I set up an LLC today, how hard is it to, to then form an S corp? Yeah. So that's actually the simple, and that's one reason I, I do recommend a lot of people form their LLC early on is because once you are the LLC, all we have to do is file a form with the IRS saying, Hey, we're an LLC treat us from a treat us as an S corporation from now on. And, and you can backdate that to the beginning of the year. So we could, I mean, you Scott made that election in what August, September, yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah. And we, we dated it back to the beginning of the year. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. So even if someone right now, I mean, depending on when you're listening to this, you could be listening to this thing in, you know, April or May, maybe let's say, but it doesn't matter really when you decide to do it. Like you said, you can then go and, and kind of like retroactively go back 
depending on when you started. Yeah, exactly. And the IRS does say that they have a deadline of March 15th to make the S-Corporation election for that year. Okay. But it's, 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 it's kind of an artificial deadline. Basically, you just have to write a letter saying, hey, I didn't know there was a deadline. I meet all other, all other qualifications. And they, they let you in, basically. Okay. Okay. So. Cool. All right. And I mean, how long is that process generally to get started as far as like uh, your S-Corp if you went from an LLC to an S-Corp? It, it, I mean, it, it can actually be pretty simple. I mean, it, it depends if you're going to try and do it all yourself, if you're going to hire someone like us to do it for you. You can have the form filled out and sent off that day. You can get set up with a payroll company within a few days. So d- depending on how big your company is and how many employees you have, things like that, it, oh, okay. it could be a matter of a few days. It could be a wow. matter of a month. Okay. And then typically on an LLC, if you were to form that, I know me in, in New York, I, I set mine up through LegalZoom when I did it, my, my one business. I know you helped me with another business. Yep. Um, but, you know, being in New York and stuff, I mean, they want us to have a, an article put in the paper for eight weeks and <laughs> and all of that fun stuff, right? So yep. I'm a little different here, but in most states, how long typically for an LLC can you expect to have one done? Yeah, so an LLC is a little bit more involved than an S corporation because you're actually setting up an entity. Most states is still pretty simple. Most states say you can do it all online. You fill out the paperwork. A few days or a few weeks later, you get the notice. You're accepted. Okay. Some states like New York do make it more difficult. You have to do things like write a letter to the paper. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's still it's not much involved. It's just a waiting game. Yeah, it is. It t- totally is. <laughs> and uh, I mean, when I did it, it, it was uh, wasn't that hard to do, but it was a waiting game because again, New York is, is they're, they're just tough and they're slow. And I think my attorney told me though, when I did set up my LLC, even though it wasn't hundred percent finalized, I'm doing the air quotes that I still technically was an LLC, even though it wasn't finalized. Now that's what he told me. I don't know if that's yeah. true, but yeah. And, and, and he, he'd even be a better person to ask on that than me. Cause that's more of a legal yeah. thing, but I, I completely agree. Yeah. Same thing with the S corporation. When we make that election, I'm sure you, you probably even haven't even gotten a letter back from the IRS yet saying that it's been accepted, mm-hmm. that, that it usually takes 30 to 60 days, mm-hmm. but you're an S corp basically from the time you mail the letter out. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, cool. So now let's move into a little bit of the, uh, I know a lot of people love to hear about, and I do too, like tax deductions, like mm-hmm. what, you know, what should we be doing? What should we be keeping track of? What, you know, maybe just give us a, I mean, obviously we can spend hours on this, but let's just, (laughs) let's just give like some, some meat here. Let's, let's give, you know, some things that we could be thinking about that we might not be thinking we could write off that we should be. Yeah. So the the big thing that I always like to mention here when, when it comes to an entrepreneur is turning personal expenses into tax deductions. Okay. So I'm sure you owned a cell phone well before you had these businesses, right? Sure. Well, now I'm, I'm guessing that you call people from time to time for business, right? 100%, yes. All right. So now all of a sudden your cell phone is a tax deduction. Sure. All right. And there's been cases where the IRS has even ruled that you can, so if you have a family of five and they all have cell phones, there's time. there's been cases where they let them write off the whole cell phone bill just because they said basically they, they had to have all five. Right. They couldn't just have one. So, right, right. So that you could turn your whole family's cell phone bill into an expense that you can write off just by using it in your business. Right. Which okay. is about a $250, $300 bill. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> that, that, that adds up by the end of the year. Sure it does. Home internet. I'm sure you use it for your business, even though you use it for personal as well, probably. 100%. That becomes a tax write-off. Yeah. Okay. Possibly a, a room in your home. If, if, you're, if you have a room that you dedicate solely to your office, could be a tax deduction. Okay. And at that point, this is really big for people who rent because there's no normal tax deduction for rent like there is for mortgage interest. Okay. But if you have a home office, all of a sudden a portion of that house becomes tax deductible. Mm, Nice. Yep. Your car, obviously use your car for personal reasons, but if you're using it for business, 
a portion of that can become a write-off. Mm. Okay, so what, what I tell people is, as an entrepreneur, you've got to start thinking, how can I make my life tax deductible? Okay, so a big one, a big area I like to do, this is vacations. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm going to take a vacation in July, and I know there's a conference like the World Domination Summit out in Portland, and I've always wanted to go to Portland, all right, maybe I go out to Portland with the family, and three of those days I spend at World Domination Summit, and now a good portion of that vacation becomes a tax deduction. Yeah, I like okay. that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just finding ways to turn what you use personally into your business. And this can't be like, I mean, we, we, we're not teaching you to do anything fraudulent here. Like if you don't use it for business, don't try to write it off. Right, it's not right, worth it. Right. Okay. But if there's areas of your life that you legitimately can use in your business, there's a good chance we can deduct a part or maybe even all of that expense. I'm a huge, uh, a huge fan of that because I do think like that a lot. And I've been doing that for years. I've just, you know, it's kind of like whenever I'm spending money, I'm thinking to myself, is this applying to my business in any way? Um, and I think that's just a question you have to ask yourself because dollars add up. And yeah. as they add up, it's going to be either you're going to get a deduction and you're going to be able to save some of that money that you're going to be necessarily paying out or, you know, you're going to, uh, to give it away. Now, what about when you are in an S corp and we're doing like the payroll thing? Now, is the payroll going to just take care of all of the sending in the tax for us then? So what they're going to take care of is the portion of your payroll that gets withheld as taxes. Right. So if okay. you're saying like 50 grand, then yeah. all of the money that was like, you're going to basically be like, you know, I used to, when I used to work for someone, I claim one or whatever, and they're going to exactly. take out however much money. And then that kind of portion of that salary is kind of like already done. And I'm going to file that as though like I'm an employee and I'm going to then say, this is what I've sent in and this is what I can either get back or what I got to pay on that one individual tax return, right? Yeah, exactly. So basically the way you, to think of it is if your business profits 200000 you pay yourself a $50,000 salary. That $50,000 salary comes out of the business profit. So now you only profited $150,000 and the $50,000 is just like you're an employee. They're, they're, they're paying the taxes. There's, there's no, you don't have to make any estimates on it. You only make estimates on the $150,000 profit that's left. Okay. That makes total sense as well. Okay. So we're just about coming to the close here as far as like everything that I wanted to discuss. Is there anything else that you think people should be aware of? I, I guess, okay, here we are talking again. I, I've got one thing that I know that people will probably thinking of and I will too. What's a good way, or I guess a, a good rule of thumb to say best practices. So this way here, I don't get audited or how, how, I guess how rare or how common is it to get audited? Everyone wants to know this question. How likely am I to get audited? Yeah. The first thing to know is it's extremely unlikely. I, I think the recent statistics said less than 1% of people were audited in, I think, 2013 is the last available statistics. Wow. So it's super unlikely. All right. The second thing to understand is even if you are audited, it's probably not going to be the scary thing you see on Law & Order where they call you in and you're sitting in an interrogation room and right, they're right. combing through your records. All right? Right, right. What it's going to be is they're going to send you a letter saying, hey, Scott, uh, you said that you made $50,000 from this employee, from this job. We have records showing you made $60,000. The difference would be $1,500 in taxes. If you agree, please send a check. If not, please tell us why. Okay. 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 So it's, it's, it's not going to be something terrible. I get questions all the time saying, Oh, what, what, sh what should I not claim? Because it might raise a red flag. Yeah. I don't, don't worry about that crap. All right. Yeah. <laughs> do, your taxes, do your taxes the right way. Claim everything you're entitled to. And if they question it, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I've thought about it too. I'm, I'm always thinking to myself, oh, this could be the year. You know what I mean? Like, yep. what, what if I'm audited? I mean, I'm not doing anything 
but I just want to make sure that my accountant did everything correctly yeah. or I'm, you know, I'm claiming some meals now because my, my accountant did say, he's like, Scott, you know, you're crossing the six figure mark. You know, it's typical for someone in, you know, that kind of level to be entertaining a little bit, doing some dinner business dinners and stuff. And you can, you can, you know, write that stuff off. So then I started doing that, but then I started thinking to myself, am I taking too much? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, so you start yeah. thinking about that stuff, but it's good to hear that, especially from a CPA that has his hands in it to know that, um, you know, as long as you do it, I mean, again, ethically, right? We're not talking about trying to uh, scam the government here. Um, we're talking about taking what we feel is coming to us and just making sure that we, we have all of our documentation there as well. And I guess that brings the other thing up. Like, so documentation, how much of that stuff should I save? Should it be in a shoebox? Should it just be all online? Like, like, yeah. what, what should we do? Yeah. So and in real estate, they like to say location, location, location. Yeah. The, the IRS is documentation, documentation, documentation. That's, that'll protect you from anything that the IRS could ever throw at you. Okay. Basically, if you have a hard copy of a receipt for anything you do, save it, put it in a shoebox. And if the IRS questions it, just give them the shoebox. But you also want to have a good bookkeeping system. Okay. Mm. I don't care if you do it yourself with a spreadsheet. You can get a free spreadsheet on my website or you can make a spreadsheet. If you want to go the next level up, get some type of accounting software. Maybe it's QuickBooks Online. Maybe it's Zero. whatever. Yep. People ask me which one's better. They're all the same. Okay, yep. Pick yep. which one is the best price point for you and which one you like the interface best. Sure. Okay. But the, the most important thing is to do it. If you know that you're not going to do this, whether it's a spreadsheet or accounting software, hire someone to do it for you. Mm. Okay. You might pay $150, $250 a month to do it, but it's something that needs to be done. Okay. So one way or another, find the method that's going to work for you, but you need to be recording all of those expenses that are coming in every month and putting them into categories. So mm-hmm. that's, that's all bookkeeping is. Okay. It's, it's coming in and saying, this $500 that was spent at Walmart went to buying a new printer. So it goes under office expenses. Right. Okay. So if the person comes to me at the end of the year and they try to give me a shoebox full of receipts to do their taxes, <laughs> it's not happening. All right? I'm going to send it back to you and tell you to get organized and come back. Right. All you need to do is find these expenses and put them into categories. And yeah. Simple yeah. as that. It, it is. It is simple, um, but it takes doing. I know myself personally, I try to do all of my receipt enters. I try to do it on either a weekly or a biweekly. Um, so this way here, I don't lose track of it. Um, I yep. used to do it quarterly. That kind of got a little crazy because I was spending like a day or two you know, inputting everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got to figure out what works for you, but it's exactly right. I mean, you don't want to have too many categories, but you want to have enough categories to where things can be put into these buckets in a sense. And then and from there, you're just going to be just, you know, going through your receipts and saying, this goes in this bucket, this goes in this bucket. And then that the software is going to calculate everything out for you. That's what I love about that. Yeah, exactly. That's what a lot of people don't understand when they do, your, when a CPA does your taxes, he's not just putting in this business made $50,000 profit. Right. We have to put in this business brought in $100,000 and had $50,000 in expenses. And here's how those expenses break down. Exactly. $10,000 for office expenses, $5,000 for meals and entertainment, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's exactly, exactly right. And that's what I, again, I've been doing that for years. So basically to do your, your other businesses, if you have more than one, like I do, you know, pretty much you have to do each one separately. So this way here, everything can be separated, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, cool. So is there any last little bits of advice you want to give anyone that is uh, either tax uh, tips or, um, anything on the entities, anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the three most important things that entrepreneurs need to do is one, get the bookkeeping set up. Two, 
make sure you're in the right entity. Like I said, I mean, if you're at $40,000 a year or more in profits and you're not an S corporation, you're just, you're taking money and, and burning it is what you're doing. Okay. okay. I like living in the USA. I don't mind paying taxes, but I'm not going to give them more than I, than they need. Okay. Right, right. Do things the right way. Get the right entity. It's the biggest decision you can make. And number three, hire someone qualified to do your taxes. Don't do them yourself on TurboTax if you own a business. Okay. Find someone that you can trust that knows what they're doing. Pay someone to do it. You're going to save more, much more in the long run than you're going to pay them. Perfect. I love it. Well, hey, Josh, I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy and uh, I appreciate it. And I know that uh, this is going to be definitely useful. A lot of people have been asking about entities and then I figured we would just dive into some tax stuff too. Is there any uh, resource you want to give them, any place you want to point people to go if they have any other questions or uh, if they wanted to look you up? Yeah, absolutely. So they can always go to my website, cpaonfire.com. All right. And then if, if they're interested in this entity stuff, we actually have a free training course out right now. And they can get that by going to cpaonfire.com slash fire nation. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they can go there and they can kind of kind of break it down more into uh, into a video type. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I, I'll, I'll lay out exactly what the savings are on an LLC versus an S corp. When well, I like make that the move. Yep. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. So I would recommend anyone checking that out, check Josh out. And uh, yeah, I mean, Josh, you, you've been really, really great for, for, uh, you know, giving me advice and, uh, and I, I really appreciate it and I appreciate you coming on. So uh, thanks again. Oh, thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. Take care. Okay. So there you have it right? I mean, another great interview with something completely different that I've never had on before is a CPA. And I mean, for you to be able to go out and just find a CPA and start picking their brain, isn't that easy? So I want to thank Josh again for doing this and allowing, uh, you know, allowing us to really kind of peek into the mind of a CPA and kind of the ins and the outs of business entities and tax write-offs and all that stuff. And heck, I might even have them back on again and we can drill them a little bit more as far as uh, you know, what uh, what other questions we might have to uh, to better our businesses and our tax situation. So again, I want to thank Josh for that, and I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And once again, I mean, depending on where you are in your business, if you're not at this level yet, don't worry about it. But it's there for you to know that moving forward, just some insights as far as how to use you know business write-offs and how to set up an entity for your business and and kind of at different stages of your business. So again, just wanted to put that out there because I think it's very valuable, different stages and different phases of your business. All right. So before we do jump off here, I wanted to give another shout out to the TASers out there in the Facebook group. You guys are amazing. We are up over 19,000 members in that community. And I want to say Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome for supporting each other, for helping each other, for inspiring each other, motivating each other. Keep doing it. If you guys are brand new and you guys are not part of our TAS Facebook community, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F is in Frank, B is in boy. That's for Facebook. And request to join. Usually takes a couple hours to get approved. Once you do, make yourself at home. Go ahead, start introducing yourself and get involved. All right, so that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, guys, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to. You have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you in the next episode.